Hello and welcome to Reformed Podmatics, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. This podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. everybody and welcome to Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Mark. And I'm Pastor Zach. And I'm back. And <laughs> it's uh, an exciting thing to have returned from sabbatical. I've been uh, off from my preaching duties and my regular church work since mm-hmm. May 21. And now uh, the date of recording this is August 9. And so I've been very blessed to have some time on a sabbatical during the summer, and I know that you, as listeners, have been blessed by Lucas Geiger's uh, stepping in for me in my stead and doing an excellent job of that. Yes, yeah, so thank you to Lucas. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> and I was listening intently and enjoyed all the episodes that were done while I was gone. Um, thanks to uh, Patrick and Dave, too, for stepping in for what quickly became our most popular episode ever, their <laughs> their report from Synod 2023. And, um, you know, it's interesting to think of who's listening to those podcasts, because I would guess yeah. not all the listeners were were big fans of some of the content that we produce. I know that sometimes we oh, produce yeah. material on the CRC, and that spreads into uh, various circles and forums that mm-hmm. are a little bit more critical of things like the Abide Project and the Human Sexuality Report. And so yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you guys for being courageous and for uh, for coming on to our podcast. And I'm just glad to be back, glad to be sitting here with Zach, my buddy. And uh, uh-huh. uh, thanks to you, Zach, publicly, I should say this, and I'm sure I will on a Sunday, <laughs> that uh, the whole um, reason I could even take a sabbatical, it was in part because Zach was willing to uh, to do a lot of hard work this summer and uh, wear a few different hats and, and <laughs> preach um, so much. So yeah, thank it was you. A, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, and I'm already missing it. <laughs> kind of sitting here this afternoon thinking, man, I don't have to write a sermon. I kind of wish I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, just for fun, yeah, I guess you could. But um, So today's episode, uh, we I want to just give an update on some of the things that I've been doing during my sabbatical, some lessons I've learned, some experiences that I've had, and even as I say that, I would guess some people would say, oh boy, this this is just going to be like watching someone's family slideshow or something <laughs> like that. Uh, and I want to intentionally try to avoid that. I don't want to just um, talk about travel per se, but I, I do want to put a theological spin, a spiritual spin on some of the experiences that I've had and, and some of the thinking that I've done about the church and myself and... Um, Almond Valley, the church that that I pastor here, and uh, and uh, the Christian Reformed Church, maybe more broadly. So uh, mm-hmm. I want to set your mind at ease as you're tuning in. That um, <laughs> it's my intention to make this an interesting episode, even if we've never met before, and even if you are not a member at Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church. Um, I do know that there will likely be some people listening to this podcast who don't normally listen, who are members of our church. And so mm-hmm. um, hopefully this will pique your interest in other episodes maybe as well. Yeah, I think this will be one of the forums for you, Mark, to mm-hmm. so- sort of explain your trip a little bit. Uh, there's been discussion that we've had. This is sort of uh, to see how the sausage is made for all the listeners. There's been discussions about how to sort of uh, 
review your trip with the congregation because, yep. of course, everybody's interested. You're going to have a couple hundred people asking you potentially how it was. And so it's nice to sort of get it on uh, on a recording so people can, can listen to it. Um, and we're not exactly sure, I don't think, how we'll go about yep. uh, you sharing what you learned and stuff. But this is just one of the forums mm-hmm. for it. And so I'll start with asking maybe the most pressing question. What were the highlights? What yeah. were some of the great experiences you had that were enriching to you and were uh, restorative maybe for you uh, and got you excited for continuing on in ministry? Yeah, I'll try to move fairly quickly through what the highlights were for me and my family. Um, it, the highlight, one of the biggest ones was really the day that I left. It was really encouraging. It was a wonderful send off. I mean, our church didn't really do anything. Well, no, we did, we did have some cake. Uh, yeah. and, uh, there was kind of a, a special feeling to that day. It was the last mm-hmm. Sunday also before school ended. And so I know that there yeah. was a, a spirit of festivity in the air and, yeah. Um, it, it did feel to me like the the last day of school before summer vacation. I, I haven't had that feeling for a very, very long time, um, really, since seminary, I would guess. And so that would have been in about 2008 <laughs> that I... Um, no, no, 2011, I graduated seminary. But um, Yeah, the, the, so, the sort of pure relief. Yes, it's yeah. like the last exam is done and mm-hmm. you turned in your final paper and you walk out of the building just with that feeling of ah you know so time to rest and that's how how it felt which i recognize is a great privilege and not a privilege yeah. that very many people get to enjoy because when you become an adult you work and <laughs> you get vacations here and there which are wonderful but to have that 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 really a, a deep sense of rest and mm-hmm. um and just looking ahead i'm I, I often am looking ahead that's sort of in my nature to what's next and it was a really good feeling of wow what's next is going to be really exciting and hmm. and and hopefully very enjoyable and that is what ended up happening so just walking out of church um shaking hands and sensing that people really loved me and and were excited for me to go mm-hmm. um experience the world a little bit and do some learning on my own i mean at our church we've just felt um, our, our family has felt so supported, and hmm. I know that that's not the way that every church responds to their pastor going on sabbatical, so <laughs> it felt really good to, uh, to feel uh, that, that groundswell of support and encouragement as I, as I left on May 21 after I preached that sermon, so... Yeah, um, absolutely. So that was a great day. It and was a fun send-off. Yeah, it was It was just like a, I, I don't know if everyone else could sense it, but I certainly could, <laughs> that there was a, a real joy in the air. And um, There were donuts that day, so I think people were sensing the joy a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some some uh, carbohydrate-fueled joy, <laughs> yes. Um, and so the first thing I did, I boarded a plane later that afternoon for England and met my dad for a cycling tour uh, in northern England where we we biked um, on just regular bikes, not motorcycles or um, even e-bikes, but uh, regular old old-fashioned <laughs> bikes um, from Newcastle, which is near Scotland, and basically went straight south from there through cathedral cities of Durham, Ripon, and York, and that was a really wonderful experience of of learning and resting and. Uh, enjoying meals with my dad, uh, just chatting about all kinds of life stuff, and um, hmm. 
really sitting in churches a lot too. And so my routine was to arrive at in a town uh, on on the bike. We would go to the sort of the the B and B where we were staying and get cleaned up a little bit, and then just basically go straight to the cathedral, tour the cathedral, and then I would just sit there for two plus hours usually and read the Bible, pray, um, just kind of uh, experience rest and uh, listen for God's voice. And so in doing that, I I read the excellent um, devotional book, Be Thou My Vision, which I know we've referenced before on the podcast, and I cannot recommend highly enough. Hmm. Again, it's called Be Thou My Vision, and it's like a half an hour devotional, half an hour to 40 minutes that it would take each day, um, really guided time in prayer, confession, praise, scripture reading, um, saying the Lord's Prayer, and so forth. And that was really helpful. And in addition mm. to that, I read uh, the book uh, Heaven on Earth by Thomas Brooks, who was a Puritan. Mm. And the book is all about how a Christian can experience assurance um, in this life. So um, given the truth that the believer is born again in Christ and has a secure salvation, um, how can we live into that salvation and that assurance mm. in this life instead of just hoping for peace when we die? Hmm. Um, it was a really, really good book and, and, uh, really blessed me too. So that was the normal routine and that, that was definitely a highlight. Um, my favorite cathedral was not one of the massive ones. It was actually the (laughs) Ripon Cathedral. Um, those larger cathedrals in York and Durham were spectacular and, and wonderful places to visit, but it was the cathedral in Ripon that was really a combination of architectural beauty and grandeur while also being quieter and uh, just a more reflective, worshipful space. So I really enjoyed uh, the new, the cathedral in Newcastle and, of course, in, in Durham and York, but uh, I think Ripon was the highlight just because mm. of how quiet it was there. It, it was a bit of a touristy place, you could say, because Ripon is that way. It's a beautiful city, um, but at the same time was, was just a, a spectacular place to, to sit and read the Bible for a little while. As far as I know, Ripon is one of the older churches of yes. England yeah, and, it, and older towns of England as well. I think I read on the website that the church there dates back to the 8th century. Yeah, so yeah, there's a crypt below that wow. is the original sort of church space, which was tiny and, hmm. and um, kind of an interesting thing to go check out. Same for York, actually. That goes back to Roman times. Yeah. Um, but That's the other um, archbishopric of the communion. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, York, I, again, I love the city, but it, it just had that more touristy feel to it. Like a Westminster Abbey? Yeah, or very much like so, yeah. yeah. So we went to Westminster Abbey later on, and, and, and um, not to be critical of those places, because they are spectacular, and I'm glad people yeah. are interested in going to church, um, walking through churches on their vacation. Sure. But um, for the purposes of my sabbatical of really being quiet, Mm-hmm. Uh, quieting my heart, reading the Bible. It really were those smaller churches that was a, that were a little bit uh, more conducive to that. So oh, absolutely. Um, and so that made me actually do a lot of thinking that will come out in my sermon this coming Sunday in terms mm-hmm. of what what do people want when they walk through a church, um, whether that's on Sunday or, or any time. And um, it really mm-hmm. caused me to to think deeply about um, feeding the sheep who come in. Um, with what they are likely looking for, which is obviously the gospel and uh, the presence of Christ 
Um, but that's not always what churches hmm. are providing. And, and so I think that there are many spiritual tourists, you might say, who are sort of in church just to see something spectacular in the same way that people go to the York Minster without yeah. much of a spiritual intention, but just yeah. to see a beautiful building. Um, that architecture could be replaced by exciting preaching or exciting music or social mm-hmm. things. And so um, it really prompted me to, to think a little bit more about what we're trying to achieve during a worship service in terms of how it's led and how I preach and so forth. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then uh, just maybe speeding through the rest a little bit, uh, after uh, my cycling trip, my family, which is my wife Pam and our four children, um, ages uh, 13, 10, 8, and 6, so uh, we're a crew with, with some little ones still, um, arrived in London, and we saw a lot of sights in London, um, went to some wonderful churches there. After that, went to Germany, saw some some um, reformational sites like Heidelberg and the town of Eisenach, where um, Martin Luther lived in a castle for about 10 months after the Diet of Worms, and he was in hiding. And that was really spectacular. I would. That's that's where he translated the Bible into German for the first time, too. Yeah, right? yeah, the yeah. New Testament. Yeah, he he did uh, translate the New Testament into German there, and it actually didn't take him all that long. But he did a lot of letter writing mm-hmm. while he was there. He was there under the alias of George. <laughs> um, you know, there's all those fun stories that you learn when you go to to the actual castle and you see the room where Martin Luther studied, yeah. and um, that was really special. It was a really really cool castle too so that made it really special as well so uh arrived back from germany and um the rest of the summer was with my family in wisconsin and indiana and then with pam my wife's family in british columbia where she is born and raised in northern british columbia right near alaska so (laughs) those were highlights too um obviously more for relational reasons and just reconnecting with family in Wisconsin and spending 4th of July with my family in Indiana. That's not something I ever get to do is have holidays with my family. And mm-hmm. so um, that was really special along with doing a lot of hiking and, and swimming in very, very cold lakes in northern British Columbia, <laughs> um, including a, a waterfall that I jumped into just a few days ago that was probably about 48 degree temperature water. It was melted it was snow melt oh, uh, was the waterfall, so it was ice cold. <laughs> it felt very good on a 85 degree day. So that's hypothermia. <laughs> yeah. I, my legs right there. felt like they were burning because I stood in the water for a while, and that's how cold the water was. It's, it felt like they were aching. So, um, oh, yeah. So that was fun. I also took two of my oldest, my two oldest sons, canoeing and backpacking out. Slept on a beach on a hmm. on a lake with just a few houses on it and the lake is probably about 30 miles long and and a mile wide and so that's really cool for them to get to see uh the place where their mom is from and to really experience what life is a little bit more like and what it was like for her oh yeah growing up just having that sort of family knowledge i think that's really important and something that's hard to come by given your your career and Mm -hmm. uh the inability to travel as freely as as some so yeah, that's really special. Yeah, that was that was really neat too for them to have uh, a northern British Columbia adventure out in the wilderness, and <laughs> we just kept uh, camped on the beach, and the boys took the canoe out while I set the tent up, and it was just really really fun for them to um, explore on their own a little bit more, and yeah. that was great. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, and uh, 
those were the main highlights. Obviously, I did a lot of reflecting and on my own life and how I'm doing as a pastor and the sorts of things that I hope for myself to change and things that I hope for our church, um, maybe not so much to change, but to grow in. And uh, that was that was really the intention of it. And I think it was it was pretty well achieved. So it was a good good time. Yeah. So I I'm curious to hear more about your experiences at churches. I think that's yep. one of the ways we can benefit listeners. Um, we've talked before in the past, I think, on this podcast about traveling and visiting different churches, which I think for us we see as an especially uh, good opportunity to see other churches. We we are normally at our own church on a Sunday morning, and so it's it's fun to see other churches when we get the chance. And you had plenty of opportunity to go to different churches and to see uh, churches in a similar sort of denominational or theological tradition as ours, mm-hmm. uh, as, as well as some that are quite different. And so I'm I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, on church uh, attendance and and what you learned and appreciated or maybe didn't appreciate as much from some of the churches you were able to attend. Yeah, we were really blessed. And that was kind of a surprise because we went into this with a little bit of trepidation. We've had many, <laughs> I would say, poor experiences visiting churches while we're on vacation. Um, a lot of times walking out of church with some discouragement that we didn't really hear God's word or the worship was kind of more performative than encouraging us to participate. And that's that's pretty common in churches throughout mm-hmm. um, definitely the United States right now. So we were hoping that we would be blessed by great preaching and, and just hearing God's word. Going to church as a family was really special for us because mm-hmm. normally I'm here one of the first people here at church, and mm-hmm. the family walks over from mm-hmm. the parsonage. And so I don't really get to be a part of that let's get ready and let's go to church process for yeah. my family. Um, so we got to do that for 11 weeks, and it was really special. The churches we attended were, um, we went to, I did a little tally here, six Christian Reformed churches. Um, one United Reformed Church, that's the one here in Ripon, I attended on a Sunday evening. Um, we were at an Anglican church on a Sunday. I, I went to several um, other worship services while I was cycling because they have church every day mm-hmm. at those large mm-hmm. cathedrals. Um, maybe not even just the big ones. I would guess many Anglican churches yeah. in England have a daily even song, a daily mass. Yep. Um, yep. And so uh, we did attend the Ripon Cathedral on a Sunday, which oh, was awesome. was really wonderful. It was a beautiful uh, uh worship space that was very worshipful the service um the, the preaching the, was probably the, the preaching was not great not uh, exactly the, reformed <laughs> well um it was the bishop of leeds who was oh, preaching there the day that i was it was pentecost sunday okay um was it part of the what's the, what's the diocese i think it's the diocese of the uh, diocese of leeds, leeds i okay. think okay. because leeds is only about uh a 20 minute drive from ripon and, oh, okay. and york interesting um, and so there is still a bishop of, of Ripon, but the bishop of Leeds was there this day. And okay. that's a, Leeds is, maybe for those who don't know England, a much, much larger city than Ripon. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was pretty milquetoast stuff. It was kind of, um, you know, uh, try hard to be a nice person kind of stuff. Mm. And uh, there, was, there was a little bit more to it than that. But I think the, the crux of the message was not God is a great God, worthy of worship, who saves us in Christ. It was very much, 
um, we should try to be nice to each other and mm-hmm. love one another. Um, yeah, England, the Church of England is going through some interesting times right now with bishops and same-sex blessings that they've mm-hmm. been now sort of rolling out. And yeah, it's there's it seems like good preaching is at a premium, and it's hard to find. Um, and I would guess the England. higher you go up the the hierarchy, the worse it probably gets. Yeah, that's probably a general, there's probably some correspondence there, cor- correlation. Yeah. Um, the yeah, Bishop I of York was true. walking around outside with his full regalia on while <laughs> I was there. It was like Mickey Mouse at Disneyland or something. <laughs> like people were taking pictures of him. <laughs> and he's, I know, said some very controversial things recently um, yeah. about same-sex unions and so forth. And I, I just found it very strange that I had to do a double take. Like, is that the actual guy? And sure enough, I looked it up on my phone, um, and that was the real guy. So he wasn't there on a Sunday. He was just no, there when you were visiting. Yeah, I was just we, we were visiting the York Minster, and he was walking around in full like robe, hat, everything <laughs> he had on, and uh, it was pretty silly, actually, is what it looked like to me. But um, interesting. Yeah. So, anyways, um, <laughs> one of my experiences in York. Uh, but no, we were blessed generally by the churches we attended and um, certainly by the Christian Reformed churches in our area, and um, and that that was really uh, a cool thing to just be able to go to the churches of my friends who are pastors. Yeah. So I went to Paul Vanderclay's church on a Sunday up in Sacramento and um, uh, the other churches of the area, too. So that yeah, was really I've, neat. I've been to those churches because I've preached at those churches, yeah, sure. so I'm not exactly seeing a normal worship service. So yeah, yeah. That's a great opportunity to see what, what things look like with, with our friends. Yeah, and um, uh, I was surprised at how American the worship services were in Europe, and hmm. I guess in Canada, too. So we went to um, Martin Lloyd-Jones's church, Westminster Chapel in London. Okay, yeah. And all the songs we sang were American praise songs from hmm. Bethel and Sovereign Grace, and and basically they they were all songs that we already knew. Yeah. Um, and then the next Sunday went to an international church in Germany in a, a suburb of Frankfurt called Oberursel, where my sister in law and brother in law live. And so we're in Germany in an English speaking church, but um, all. American worship, praise and worship songs is, is what we sang there. Is there a lot of Americans that go to that church? So I would say, sheesh, if I had to guess, maybe a third would okay. be like American or Canadian, and then the other two-thirds are international, well, people from all over the world who speak better English than they do German, mm-hmm. and, and so these yeah. are the believers who go, and it's easier for them to worship in English than it would be for them to worship in German, I so think. So were there... A good number of Chinese. Yep, a lot of Asian members. people. Well, when I was in England, not in Germany. There was a lot of Chinese people at John Stott's church yeah. when I went there. Yeah, back several years ago. And same for Westminster Chapel as mm-hmm. well. And that's one thing we really loved was the ethnic diversity. Yeah, it's of really cool. Westminster Chapel, which is in a very diverse city like London, and then also Oberursel at the International Church. It was really, really hmm. um, neat to see kind of all nations gathering together to to sing. Uh, praise to Jesus. So yeah. that was that was really neat and special. Um, I would say uh, overall, we we had great experiences in church, and and maybe that segues a little bit into one of the main things I thought about and noticed. And if we want to take a theological turn here to uh, assess a little bit um, some of the services that I was at, it it was interesting. I couldn't help but. 
compare the typical Anglican liturgy and and worship style to what is common in the evangelical American church. And it really really struck me after I had gone to about four Anglican worship services how, I would say, objective they were. Mm-hmm. That um, you gather and and uh, it's not so much the minister is ever talking to you sitting in the, the pew or in the choir mm-hmm. area or so forth, but the, the minister is saying a liturgy. And, um, and so that, that involves the Lord's Prayer, um, the Apostles' Creed or Nicene Creed, uh, various uh, liturgical, uh, so pass, scripture passages, Psalm 100, you know, maybe beginning the service with something like that. And mm-hmm. um, so different scripture readings and, um, and even the, the message in Durham was about the, the Venerable Bede whose life was being celebrated. And um, the message in Ripon was, again, like I said, sort of about love and how the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit helps us love other people. Um, kind which of I, a moralistic... Yeah, well, even the target there is is generally a, the person in the pew, but it was still very objective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I couldn't help but mm. contrast that to the the subjectivity of American worship, which is... Um, we, we talk about the double ditch a lot on our podcast. So on, on one side of the ditch, you just have a, a purely objective service. And again, by that I mean... Um, to talk about God, to talk about the faith, and that's the worship service. Mm-hmm. Um, to confess the faith together as a church, mm-hmm. um, and that's the that is the service. And then on the opposite side, you have evangelical worship, which is how are you doing? How does this apply to you? How yeah. does this matter for you? Let's sing songs you like. Let's do let's sing um, songs that have a lot of first-person pronouns in them, I, and God is good mm-hmm. to me, and, and so forth. And the, the whole sermon can become about where you're at with the Lord. And so I, I couldn't help but thinking how much I appreciate the Reformed blending of the objectivity. So mm-hmm. you would have, in many Reformed churches, references to not just Scripture, but church history, uh, the catechism, and so forth, yeah. cre- uh, reciting creed. creeds occasionally. Yep. Um, praying well, the Lord's Prayer, right? Well, also in, in injecting some personal nature to it, yeah. Um, and so, I I, I found that uh, the the Anglican churches were really wonderful to worship in um, for for a season, for a time. It mm-hmm. was it was really good, but I could imagine somebody going to a church like that and, and hearing uh, that liturgy. And and really never being asked, are you following Jesus? Are you, are you doing it? Mm-hmm. You sitting there right now. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how Jesus talked, right? Follow me. That's what he, that's what he says to everyone. He he talked to people yeah. instead of just coming to talk about God. Yeah. So I know that you have different views, probably on the. Well, the... <laughs> I, I I think I totally agree with you. I've I've been to several churches churches in England and worshipped there and. I, I guess I'm I'm not as opposed to mm. objectivity in worship. Mm-hmm. I actually think that there's a lot of benefit to it. Um, yeah, it's very rooted. So yeah. my thoughts are kind of scattered on the whole thing. I guess I'll say and very. There's good and bad about it. Um, one of the bad is that it be, it can become uh, very rote. It can become. Um, I think the, the individuality of worship is sublimated for the corporate or the corporate nature of worship. Um, what I mean by that is that 
in a evangelical church, it's much the focus is much more on the individual, the individual's experience and tastes, mm-hmm. and so it leans in a you could say consumeristic yeah. direction. Whereas in a very high church, Anglican or other sort of liturgical setting, this would for sure be the case in most Roman Catholic churches, um, is that it would be so liturgically set and structured that it would just seem like it's this thing that's happening, whether or not you're mentally participating or emotionally or spiritually participating, it's just happening to you. Um, it's happening it in can, your presence, essentially. It, there's nothing breaking through the veil, like you were saying, of, of saying, like, follow Jesus, con- confess your sins, re- repent. It, it all just seems like you're going through these rituals, and I'm not even totally against ritual, but it can yeah. become so objective that it, it leans in the direction of of being sort of a, like a Roman Catholic uh, view of the sacraments by the working of the work, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Except peri operato. The priest is worshiping for He's me. He's doing the, th- yeah. the things, and we're doing them together, and as long as I go and check off these boxes and I pray these prayers that, that are set before me, I can leave and go and have no life change. Um, and so I think... Yeah, there's a danger to that spiritually. I, I think that in my, my experience as somebody who's been a been involved in Anglican churches or an Anglican church in, in seminary, just one, not churches, but mm. uh, there was actually a really good mixture of the two, and it, it felt more reformed in that way. Though it was fairly high church liturgically, um, there was a lot of personality. The preaching was very pointed and sharp uh, and was very much... Uh, evangelistic, um, and there is a good bit of this in England. It's just hard to find. You're not going to mm-hmm. find it at a normal cathedral, mm-hmm. and you're, you won't normally find it. You don't really have preaching in midweek services so much, unless it's a noonday Eucharist or something like where you heard about the Venerable Bede. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're doing going to an even song, there's really no preaching at even song. That's yeah. not the point of the yeah. service. Yeah, um, and so that's entirely objective, right? Yeah. And it's more, it could be, it could seem, it seemed to my wife, we we went to an Evensong at Christ Church in Oxford this past spring, and uh, it's enjoyable as a beautiful worship service, mm-hmm. but it almost seems like a performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people who come probably aren't Christians. It's kind of a cultural experience uh, that people are probably coming for. Uh, you're in England, go to an Evensong. That's kind of the thinking. And part of me loves that, that yeah, yeah. part of the English heritage is beautiful worship uh, but it can become it can be a problem and the, there's there's not much evangelical zeal I'm someone who likes high church stuff I suppose but I, I could I could never go to a high church that loses the value for uh, in a evangelical uh, zeal I guess you could say like a connection um, yeah. and so I loved my church in Orlando because it, in many ways, it was deeply Protestant and evangelical. Um, even the bishop of, of the diocese there, um, Bishop Greg Brewer, who is now retired, and now it's Justin Holcomb, who is also really awesome. Uh, they're very Protestant and gospel-centered, to use that sort of, uh, I guess, cliche language. Uh, mm-hmm. But the preaching is really pointed and directed at the heart, and it's not just a seven-minute reflection on some uh, moralistic virtue. Mm. Uh, it's usually 15 or 20 minute sermons, which is quite long as far as high church goes. Mm. Uh, and it was, it was very, always very ze- zealous and warm and biblically rooted. 
Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree with you, Mark. I think that in terms of objectivity or subjectivity, both have their place, absolutely. And I've been in situations uh, in worship worship environments where it was totally one or mm-hmm. totally the other, and there's certainly problems to both. Um, I, I think that uh, there, there needs to be a balance that's struck, and I think the Reformed liturgical heritage does this well at its best. As I would also say, just I think Protestantism, pro- historic Protestantism does that well. Um, Protestantism has been in many ways uh, hijacked by by megachurch yeah, evangelical charismatic, charismatic stuff. Yeah, and so it now leans in, in the direction of being totally subjective. Uh, the power of of worship is is not what we put into it by our thinking, by our brains, by our getting revved up and excited. Worship is powerful because it's the place where God meets us. So there is this objectivity to it. Um, and in the in the sacraments, for example, uh, is it's communion powerful because it's something that you think about and it moves you spiritually and you reflect on the cross. Well, that's part of it. Absolutely. There is a, there is a symbolic uh, reflective nature to it, but it's also powerful because it's the place where Christ meets us. That's the reformed position. We are feasting on Christ's body and blood, but in a spiritual way, yes, but that doesn't mean it's a merely symbolic way. It's Mm. through the power of the spirit. So there's objectivity wedded to subjectivity uh, and so, yeah, there's, I think, a, a, a beautiful mix of the two. Mm. And I'll stop waxing poetic. No, no. Well, that's the what the sacraments do. That's what good preaching should do and yeah. good music should do, like offer us, like you said, that wedding of objectivity, the truths yeah. of the Christian faith, um, the, uh, see, the objective truth about God, about yeah. th- that the scriptures teach us, that should be within all those parts of the worship service while also saying, and how now shall we live? And yeah. how, how does this impact you? Um, helping people apply it, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe is, is another way of putting, putting it. And so, I, um, I, like I said, I appreciated those worship services very much and found them very, very rich, especially that one celebrating the life of the Venerable Bede, um, mm-hmm. who, by the way, lived... Um, what in the 700s i believe yeah i um, think that's right and he is buried in durham in the cathedral and so, so he was uh, buried pretty much right there yeah well he while was you're buried about he, his life right yeah and and then we all entered his crypt at oh, the man, end of the service and then cool. there, we sang uh so that was a midweek service yeah right yeah I think, that's that's pretty common as far as i know at my church in orlando we would do midweek there would be noonday Eucharist, and then usually the sermons were based on whichever saint. Mm-hmm. So those were sort of more moral lessons, I guess, uh, just and almost historical lessons. Yeah, I don't even think they called them sermons. I don't know; they may have called them something else. Yeah, we couldn't um, hear it because the sound in the Durham Cathedral is so uh, bad for preaching that I couldn't understand a word the oh, preacher was saying. But the music was awesome, because <laughs> <So, laughs> the, there's so it. much echo in there. But yeah. we, we all went into the, the, the place where he's buried, to his grave site, and <laughs> I, I believe we sang the doxology all. So we, we proceeded away from the main nave, I think is the term, and went to this area, sang, and then that was the conclusion. There were some cookies and so forth uh, afterwards <laughs> to celebrate. Um, so that was special and, and, and really unique, and I appreciated it. That was it was really rich to get that sense of a connection to the Catholic Church. There. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, they had quotes of 
what the venerable Bede had written. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really appreciated how the Anglican Church did not canonize or worship him mm-hmm. um, like you would find. They, there was no prayer to Bede oh, ever at any point during the service, but it was thanking God for mm-hmm. um, this servant, for inspiring the servant to share the gospel. To do So yeah. they handled it very, very well in celebrating the life of a great man without worshiping mm-hmm. him or praying to him. Mm-hmm. They, they walked that line. I, I noticed that. I was... I wouldn't say I was critically listening for it, but in in hindsight, I thought, yeah, I, I never, we never prayed to him, which yeah. I, I really appreciated because that would be idolatry to do so. So, yeah. um, so that was that was neat, and um, like I said, for a season, for a time, that was a really rich experience. Just like when mm. people go to a conference and they get that sort of hyper subjective experience of. Um, the evangelical yeah. uh, praise song, really thinking about where you are at with the Lord, that can be good for a season too. Mm-hmm. But I think the the steady diet of Reformed worship is best for the worshiper, the, yeah. the mixing of uh, creedal truth, biblical truth, objectivity with how does this apply to your life? Yeah, I think for me, having grown up in the evangelical world, and maybe you too, I think I got to a point where I felt that worship was kind of exhausting. Mm. It was emotionally exhausting. I felt like I had to always get my emotions yeah. to match where they should be. Yeah. And so the worship experience for me was a matter of getting myself sort of worked up enough and feeling feeling it, really. Uh, and so it was very, uh, I guess, Schleiermachian in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to feel the richness of the services that or the worship or the music or whatever it was. The sermon really uh, had so, to hit you hard. Yeah, yeah. and no. so if you if you're not if it's not hitting you hard, you're not having that experience. You're something's wrong with your faith. You're not you're not deeply in love with the Lord as you should be. And so I think coming into the Reformed world, uh, and also at the Anglican Church I was at, that was a breath of fresh air, knowing that there is some sense in which this is happening to you, mm. but it's not something that you just merely let happen to you. Worship is participatory. Worship is a ongoing dialogue. Uh, it's a covenantal relationship. It's a covenantal renewal service, as some would say. Uh, and so it's relational between God and his church. And so it's not like we have no place in worship mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it was very participatory too. Like, I don't want to yes, give the yeah. idea that you just sit there and watch the priest say his things. Yeah, so yeah, it is very. There, that's something I, I appreciated. Like, I think it's actually cool to read things uh, together, like a like a creed or a prayer. I think there's benefit in in practicing those things. I think it creates a, sort of uh, spiritual grooves that wear into you over time, and you become uh, sort of. Uh, you learn from any liturgy that you go to, I think, at a church. If you're a member of a church and you've been there for years, the church's liturgy has an effect on you mm. in one way or the other, and it affects the way that you relate to God over the course of your life. And so I think it's it's cool to have a sort of normal liturgy, a normalized liturgy structure. Uh, I think that, that patterns your your devotional life. That's why I really like the Be Thou My Vision. I think it's it's called a liturgy for daily worship. Mm, and so yeah. it bo- sort of borrows from liturgical, the liturgical structure of Reformed worship, uh, but applies that to daily uh, devotions, which I think is really useful. Uh, so my, my simple argument is that sometimes the rote services, they actually have a 
really beneficial effect on you. I know J.I. Packer would talk about this in his Anglican experience about how the prayer book sort of formed his liturgical life over the course of his whole life. And so when he found himself praying or sometimes not knowing what to say, he would be able to quote from the prayer book in prayer uh, and it, w- it really would, would become his own prayer. Hmm. Uh, and so yeah, there's a lot more that could be said, but I, I think that the objectivity versus subjectivity conversation is really fascinating and helpful to think about. Yeah. Um, and so maybe uh, a couple snippets or, or little nuggets that I've gotten also in, yeah. uh, from the rest of the sabbatical. I did a lot of thinking, obviously, about rest. And hmm. I, I realized maybe a, a week or two in that it's just so valuable to step away from regular yeah. life to be able to see a little bit more clearly what's happening in my heart and with my routines and schedule. And you have to shake things up sometimes and, and get away from the normal spaces even that you live in. Uh, go get away from home and, and do some intentional thinking about how my life is going and, and what the direction of my ministry is and how I could better relate to my wife and kids and so forth. Um, obviously, I don't always do a perfect job at that. I, I sin in that way. And so it was good for me to to get out of the routines that you can get so comfortable in. Yeah. Um, I can't help but think that as a pastor, uh, particularly as a pastor, we, are, we can busy ourselves with work, and um, hmm. we have to be careful that the work and the theological stuff, the preparation for, for sermons and worship and teaching and meetings um, doesn't get in the way of actually doing that subjective work. How am I yeah. doing with the Lord? Am I in, am I in prayer? Am I reading the word for myself? Mm-hmm. Um, not to produce something, but just to hear God's voice. And so getting away for a while really helped me to do that. Um, yeah. I, I think of rest a little bit differently now. That rest is... Um, is taking space away from regular life, some time away from regular life, hmm. to to think, to contemplate, to um, to recenter my myself on. Like uh, Tim Keller talks a lot about um, the orbit of your life. Is the orbit of your life around Christ, or is it around some? Is it around your work, or your reputation, or money, or sex, or hmm. other things? And and so he says every Sunday you have an opportunity to reshift yeah. the orbit of your life back around Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, every day you do, of course, when you open the Bible, when you pray. Um, but that not only helped me think of what rest is, but what, again, a likely worshiper would expect coming into the sanctuary on Sunday morning, that is their moment of stepping out of their, their life, their regular yeah. life, not to draw too thick of borders between secular and sacred, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, I think we can be realistic about there's work life, there's family life, and then there's church life, mm-hmm. and to step into the church is to, um, just for a little while, open yourself up to that contemplation. How am I doing? Uh, yeah. What is God doing in the world? What has God done in the past? Um, one thing that struck me hmm. was how little temptation I had to look at my phone, and so I thought that was that was really interesting that there's something that clicks in my brain that when I walk through the doors of a church I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be distracted um, obviously there's a spiritual element to it that God is drawing me to himself and yeah. protecting me in some way from that temptation of distraction huh. but I've thought that often like 
there's there's almost nothing else that I could do, including watching TV or having dinner sometimes, unfortunately, hmm. where I'm where I'm often tempted to pick up the phone and just I hear the ding, I want to go find out what that was. Yeah. But it, I realized during my sabbatical, I've never felt that way during worship. Hmm. I've never thought, what's happening on my phone right now? during yeah. a worship service. I was like, really, I could say that, which is pretty amazing considering yeah. all the other places that, <laughs> that I'm tempted to wonder that yeah. thing. And so I thought um, it's, it's like rest from um, social stimulation in that way, the, hmm. the social media, the texting, the, the news cycle. Um, God does something great in a sanctuary, and the Spirit, I think, really protects that space so that people hmm. can listen can really hear God and and be in his presence. So um, maybe that'll work its way into my sermon on Sunday, too. I think it's really important um, because people need that rest from that that constant barrage of infotainment. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Uh, And I think even for myself, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and sometimes I have this feeling where I just need to turn off podcasts and and just put things aside. Even though most of my podcasts are spiritually enriching, I think it can be it can cause a spiritual anxiety to feel like I have to listen to every podcast mm. and I have to use all my free time listening to podcasts. I, I do a lot of listening to podcasts these days when I when I do have any free time. There's usually an earbud in, and yeah, putting that stuff aside sometimes is exactly uh, what what's needed. Um, yeah, and so. I, re- I really realize that there's something about entering a sanctuary that hmm. clicks that off my brain. I it's a uh, yeah, that's got to be a the blessing of God for me, it's certainly not anything that I would achieve or take credit for, but... Will I, you do that more? Will you, will you start yeah. going to sanctuaries yeah, sometimes? maybe, maybe <laughs> I need... You know, it honestly made me think, because all these Anglican churches have have daily worship, yeah. I thought, this is a total pipe dream, I know, but <laughs> what if the churches of Ripon got together and there was a daily worship service at noon yeah. and at each at, at, at different churches maybe throughout the week and there was uh, not a maybe not a Eucharist because that would some right some right theology if would if get it's caught up with there. Yeah. but um but just a space for people to go and, and pray um, and just just go and uh, hear some scripture reading say the Lord's Prayer together hear a, a, a five minute eight minute message devotional type mm-hmm. thing sing the doxology and go on your way you know it's it's 25 yeah. minutes. It's not a big deal yeah. in terms of time, but how rich that could be for a town like like Ripon and um I you know maybe 10 people would come but yeah. I, it's just offering that opportunity for again extra rest, worship during the day yeah worship, and putting rest. things aside. Yes. And so Absolutely. again probably won't happen maybe um <laughs> one of our our listeners is ann anthony whose husband is a pastor and tell tell uh, patrick to uh, uh get together with me yeah maybe that. now that we have some listeners from from ripon <laughs> listening to this right. maybe yeah. we'll start the movement you can write us let us know what you think about that idea i think it, it would be awesome and i've seen it work uh but yeah yeah it's, it's could be really rich and and it would just be. serve the community in a neat way but yeah. Uh, maybe then uh, the last thing that I'll say is I really did miss our church a lot. And hmm. I, yeah. my kids missed our church. Their friends are here. A lot of their best friends are at our church. Even though we don't have a massive number of children at our church, the, yeah. the relationships that are here are very, very strong. And so um, I really realized my work is not just my job. 
It's mm. uh, this is the community of people who I really live with, and I really rely on these people a lot. And so it was hard to not see many of yeah. of the people of our church for a long time. Uh, I popped in one time here to say hi to you, but um, <laughs> yeah. and I got together with a few other people um, here and there. But I I really do enjoy life in mm. in the church. I there's the old saying, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I think that that was true for me with Almond Valley. I, I'm really yeah. excited. I was excited to come back, not just because I like to work, um, or I even like the work itself, which I do, but because of the people who are here who mm. are a huge part of my life. And this is the longest place I've lived in adulthood um, is mm. Ripon. I've never lived anywhere more than four years before yeah. living here as an adult. And now we've been here almost eight. And so um, just really realizing how relationships matter so much. Hmm. Uh, friendships matter a lot. And uh, that's happening in our church. And it's, it's pretty neat that I get to be a part of that. Yeah, I think it's it's really cool that we get to be a part of the Capital C Church. Yeah. Where we can go to a different country and go to a church on a Sunday morning and feel connected to people yeah. we've never met because of what we share in Christ through our union with him. But then we also get, we have this awesome opportunity as Christians to be rooted in a small congregation, well, relatively small. Uh, so we get to be a part of the big global church, but we also get to be a part of a small local congregation mm. where we really get to uh, be rooted and have fellowship and love with other Christians uh, through life's journey. And I think that that's just an amazing design of yeah. God. And we are blessed to have the church, the church in England, the church in Germany, hmm. the church in Canada, and everywhere else. It's just an amazing, wonderful thing. Yeah. And have all you guys listening from all over the world, yeah. it's just it's just the cherry on top. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, and I, I'm curious to hear where people are listening from. I occasionally we'll look at our statistics. Yeah, and the map we can uh, see. It looks like there are listeners in the UK and uh, Germany and the Netherlands and the Philippines and so forth. I think so, I saw Australia on there. Yep. And uh, so if you're listening from, particularly from far away, we'd love to hear how you found the podcast and maybe any Absolutely. anything that you'd like to, to share with us. My email is pastormark at almondvalley.org and Zach is Z Dewey, uh, D-E-W-E-Y at almondvalley.org. And mm-hmm. so let us know uh, where you're from and what you're up to, and it'll be really interesting to hear your story too. So thanks for joining and listening to my trip report. Uh, I Next week we'll get into a uh, theological topic. There's lots of yeah. things that we have to talk about <laughs> after we've been uh, apart now for a while. And so um, yeah, definitely. looking forward to producing more weekly podcasts here at Reform Podmatics. But until then... Thank you for listening and have a great week. Grace and peace, you guys. Yeah.